You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining me today. My special guest today is number one New York Times and USA Today bestselling author, PC Cast. PC is going to be coming uh, on board with us to talk about her latest book, Moon Chosen, A Tale of a New World. So we're excited about that. i got my little grubby hands on the book right now, so it's going to be exciting. So uh, we're going to have a fun show tonight, learn a lot about what's going on. So everybody hang tight. We'll come back right after these commercial breaks. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from PetLifeRadio. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. And joining me now is uh, number one New York Times bestselling author, PC Cast. PC, welcome to the show. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Yeah, exactly. Well, we definitely want to dive into the book and we want to talk a little bit about your writing in general. And then we would be amiss on this show to not talk about your uh, all your wonderful critters because I know you have a plethora of them at home. I do, I do, and and if you hear barking, it's because my plethora is going crazy too over here somewhere in my house. <laughs> well, it would not be a animal rights show on Pet Life Radio without some barking, meowing, uh, purring, winning, whatever we can get, we'll take it. That's for sure. So, PC, tell us about the latest book. It's um, Moon Chosen: Tales of the New World. So, I want to talk a, a little bit about that. Give us the overview of what the book's all about. Well, Moon Chosen is the first in my new fantasy series, and I'm so excited about it. I created a post-apocalyptic world set in and around Portland, Oregon. I moved here about three years ago, and where I live always really informs my writing a lot. And so it's set here, and I created, actually, my inspiration was my amazing um, working dog, my German shepherd named Badger. And he inspired this whole world. My connection with him inspired this whole world, especially because I wanted to create a fantasy world where dogs, cats, horses, whatever, live 40, 50, 60 years because I am not good with pet death. So <laughs> this whole world and this whole, this whole universe that I created was so that my animals can live much, much, much longer. 
So everything was like based on that at the beginning. I like that. Where can we sign up for this post-apocalyptic, <laughs> if I can get it out, world? <laughs> that's, that's what I want. Boy, that's a mouthful too. Oh, that goodness. is right. <laughs> yeah, cause you're right. They, uh, they, don't, uh, they don't stick around long enough for sure, but I guess they come into it knowing what they need to do, uh, learn that, and uh, then they're able to, uh, to move on where it usually takes us a lifetime of trying to figure this stuff all out. So true. So true. But I, I love the world I created. I love the, it, there's no technology in it. And the apocalypse was, it was environmental. It was from solar flares that totally changed the topography. There's no technology anymore. And the world is much bigger than our world today because of no technology. And uh, there are little pockets of civilization that have grown and evolved. And at the, in Moon Chosen, I start with the pockets of civilization that are bonded with canines. And through their bonds, I've created a, a physiological reason mixed with biology that allows them to live much longer lives. They're humans they bond with called companions, and the canines choose the companions too. They can photosynthesize. Try to say that, right? Photosynthesize? <laughs> <laughs> but they can photosynthesize, and when they do, because of their connection with their canines, it also fuels their canines' lives which is my hypothesis that allows them to live almost a human lifespan. So there's lots of different evolutions of civilization in my world. I have, in the first book, you meet the, the canine companions, and you very briefly meet my lynx people, too. And then in the second book, you get much more lynx people. And in the third book, we go over to the tall grass prairie and the land of the wind riders, and they bond with, with equines. So it's a huge, rich world, and I'm having so much fun playing in it. Very good. I, it's, it, it's definitely exciting. So I've got to ask you now, when putting this all together or this epiphany that you had that this is going to be mm-hmm. the next book, I mean, walk me through that. Was it an aha moment? Was it something that you were looking at your animals thinking, man, I wish they would stay around longer? Or is it the fact that now, because I know Portland's beautiful, so uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> that would yeah. be one place I'd want to be if the world was going to change. But tell me how that process worked. I, I like to figure out where that came from, because this is definitely very uh, different out there, really having people get into this fantasy world. Yeah. Well, the epiphany actually happened around my German Shepherd. About four years ago, I had a personal security issue. I had a, a stalker. And I don't want to give much energy to that, but it made me very afraid. It was scary to leave the house and, and know I was being followed all the time and watched all the time. And I felt unsafe. So I had awesome security at home and everything, but still I felt so unsafe. And I did a bunch of research, talked to my family, and I decided to invest in a personal protection dog. And I'd never had working dogs before. I mean, as you know, as any of my fans know too, that I, you know, I was raised with horses, dogs, cats. I have lots of animals. And I in particular have Scotty dogs all the time. <laughs> and so I had never had a working dog before, and I'd never had a German Shepherd. So... There was a lot of trepidation about it. My biggest question was, but is he going to love me? Am I going to love him? Is he going to be like part of the family? I didn't know. And they delivered. I, I, found, I found Badger through a personal protection dog agency, and he was delivered to me about four years ago, and it was insta-love. Oh, my gosh. The second I saw him, it was like, oh, he is a huge Eastern European Shepherd. 
So he doesn't look like the traditional, like American German Shepherd with the saddle and the kind of sloped back. He looks more like a grizzly bear. He's about 110 pounds, although, well, he's probably about 115 pounds right now because he likes his cookies. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he, he's huge and he's, he's a sable. He has commands in four languages. And he and I just had an immediate connection. I called him away from his handler within the first 24 hours. And ever since then, we've just been, we've been totally in love. And my connection with him is different than my connection with all my other animals. It's like, you know how you open the back door and let the Scotty dogs run out and they're like, yes, squirrels. Yeah, chipmunks digging. Yeah, love you, mom. Bye. See you later. (laughs) Badger (laughs) is like, okay, I'm going to go out and go potty and then I want to be by your side. Where he wants to be is beside me all the time. And he, it's intriguing. When I first got him and watched him watching people, he is always on. He's always on. And his concern is always for my safety all the time. That big, beautiful warrior is attached to my side 24-7. And he changed my life. He made me, yeah, I went from feeling unsafe and frightened whenever I left the house. For one year, he went everywhere with me. I didn't go anywhere outside my house unless he could join me. And I, I found my confidence again. I found my sense of safety again through him. And it was through this connection with him that I created the world in Moonchosen and Tales of the New World, where they do, where, where the canines choose their companions, and then they have an emotional and a physiological bond as well. And that all grew out of my bond with Badge. Wow, very good. So it sounds like he enjoys his job, takes it serious, but on the other hand, he, he's a total <laughs> love muffin at the same time. He is my big love. He is my giant love muffin. Yes, he is. He's so, but he is not friendly. Unless you're part of his pack, he is so serious about his job. He is so serious. But once you know you're in, once you're in with him, you're in forever. But he has a very discerning. He's discerning taste in people. It's always so interesting to watch him like alert on someone, and I always am like man, I wonder what's going on with that person because I know, and I don't mean that he's like doing anything crazy. I just see the difference in his body language and mm-hmm. then I pay attention to who he's looking at and it's always, it's very interesting. It's fascinating. And he also is scent trained. He does awesome scent work. He can find me anywhere. And it's just, it's been such a cool process of, I learned with, when I first got him, I had to learn all his commands and had to had to learn about scent detection and, you know, personal protection and all his commands and all this stuff. And it was just, it's been a, it's been a great journey with him. And I wanted to, I wanted to like share that with people, other people like me who had never been around working dogs. Although, you know, shepherds are, German shepherds are such, such a popular breed. I don't know how I, you know, got like 50 years old without having one. But, um, (laughs) um, so people understand about that a lot. But, you know, he's so unique in being such an exceptional working dog that it really colors a bunch of my perspective when I interact with him because he's my guy. I mean, he, I love him. He loves me. But he also in just, just flip a switch and he goes from being my cuddle muffin to I will rip that person's throat out for you and you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. Great. Now, so what do the other pups think about him? That's the key and the other animals. Oh my gosh, they love him. The Scotty dogs are his. He has, he really has a thing for, for little dogs. It's almost embarrassing. 
Okay. You take him out in public and, you know, someone could drop a bomb and he wouldn't even flinch. He'd just like stick to my side and be all like, mm. have like a Scottish Terrier or a Westie or something walk by and he turns into a big pile of mush. He's like, oh, can I play with them? Yeah, they, <laughs> he has a thing for little dogs. And he just, he, like, he loves my Maine Coon. You know, he has to check on his pack. He has to get up and go over, look at the Scotty dogs, go to the Maine Coon, lick her, and then come back and lay next to me. He's not animal aggressive at all. He loves them all. That's great. That's great. So going back to the book, Moon Chosen, the concepts, and we know the inspiration, we know, we know what's going on there. How do you do the framework and the outline for your, your books, and in, in this book in particular? My work is very character-driven. I, I usually come up with a beginning and an end, and then I create the characters, and the characters inform how I get from the beginning to the end. It's really it's interesting. My daughter and I also write together, mm-hmm. and she doesn't write chronologically, and she outlines in depth. She does in-depth outlines, and I'm like, I do a beginning, I do an end, and then there's madness. And she's like, how? How do you do it with the madness in the middle? I'm like, I don't know. My characters just do it. And when she and I write together, I mean, it's, that's, it's much more challenging for her than for me because of how we write. But no, I, my characters really inform a lot, and I do, very, I do very loose outlines. I know that they're going to change, but my beginning and my end rarely change. They almost always stay the same. Okay. Very fascinating. So we want to delve a little bit more into your writing styles when we get back and talk a little bit more about the book uh, Moon Chosen, uh, Tell of a New World. So everybody just hang tight. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, you're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. So when we brought him home, we didn't realize that Bear the Rescue Dog was actually sick. He had very flaky skin. He was dropping a lot of fur. And Lavette wanted to do steroid injections, special dog food. Nothing seemed to work. So I've been hearing Dinovite on the radio for years. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. It never actually crossed my mind to try it until I was just at a dead end. And then it finally sunk in. Oh, you're talking about hair and skin. And all right, (laughs) I'll try it. Well, it took probably six weeks, but after we started using Dinovite, no more flaky skin. He doesn't scratch and itch, and he started to put weight on. It was, <laughs> it was awesome. He makes us feel like we saved him. Every rescue dog in America deserves Dinovite for 90 days. I wish that we would have started the Dinovite right away. It would have been so much easier. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Continue our conversation with uh, New York Times bestselling author PC Cast. Now, PC, back before the break, we talked a little bit about your writing styles and, and some of the books you've written. Obviously, Coat and Written with your uh, daughter, Kristen Cast. Mm-hmm. This book, did she have any part of that, or did you approach her saying, Hey, I get this great idea. I'm going to start a whole uh, fantasy series of, of books? Well, I was just off of writing the House of Night series. And Kristen was my teen voice editor for that series. She has co-author credit on the cover, but she didn't do any of the writing. She was my teen voice editor for all those books. So I really, really learned to respect her editorial skills, but we never, we didn't really co-author any of them together until we did a novella in her world. She has a series, The the Escaped, and then I co-authored in that world, and we actually co-wrote that together. But when I came up with the idea for Moon Chosen, I relied on Kristen's editorial eye again. I did a really, really loose proposal because, you know, I don't, I don't outline very much. I did a loose <laughs> proposal and then I wrote the first few chapters and I gave them to Kristen and Kristen read them and gave me her editorial input. And she's done it ever since then, too. Like right now, I am working on the edit revision of the second book in the series called Sun Warrior. And when I got the manuscript back from my editor, I gave it straight to Kristen. She's reading it like along with me and with my editor, because if I if I'm torn about a scene or something, I call Kristen and I'm like, well, what do you think? Should I cut it? Should I leave it in? Does it need to be more? Does it need to be less? I really count on her um, opinion of those kinds of things. And so she was in. She was like, I love it. Plus, she loves her some badger. So she was like, <laughs> we have, I put all our animals in the books, right? She's always like, oh, look, there's a little cami man in the book. So, I mean, we're, we have – it's all the inside family stuff she knows too. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, for those that may not know, tell us the background as far as your relationship in writing. I mean, did, did you have the writing bug and she learned from you and now, now you're learning some things from her as well or was it the other way around? How did all that develop? Oh, no, I've been writing since first grade. I wrote my first book in first grade. It's called Blubby the Blue Whale. It did not get published yet. Yet. <laughs> but no, I've been writing uh, my, my whole life. And I had, I had a couple different series out when um, my agent asked me to write a series based on a vampire finishing school, she said. And I came up with the idea for House of Night and uh, decided to make it YA, Young Adult. I had been teaching high school for many years, so I didn't think I'd have any trouble with the teen voice. And when I started writing it, to my horror, my 1970s teenager just kind of exploded from me. It was like everything that Zoe Redbird was saying in, you know, many years after the 70s was suddenly she was saying, you know, groovy. This is no. <laughs> so I kept asking Kristen. I was like, Kristen, so what's the word for such and such? And she'd be like, oh, and then she'd tell me. So I, I eventually, Kristen, it was her, it was a semester. It was 2005, the semester of her freshman year in college. And I asked her then if she would like to co-write with me. And what ended up happening was she was my co-editor on it. And then from being my teen voice editor for about a decade, she wasn't going to write. People ask her to write. She also has other editorial credits. She used to like editing more than writing. 
And then she got asked to write some, some short stories and some anthologies. And she did. And she was like, Oh, it's so hard. I said, I know, right? <laughs> and as she grew in her confidence writing on her own, it progressed to a, a career for her. But no, it, at first it started with, with just me writing forever. And then she like gained her writing chops. And, and now she's totally awesome. And we have a, a new paranormal series that we're going to co-author, Young Adult Paranormal. It'll start releasing in spring, summer of 2018 called The Disasters. We're really looking forward to that, too. Wow, that's exciting. That's definitely exciting. Yeah. Well, so you got a lot going on, a lot of different avenues. As a, uh, a writer, how do you best keep track of all the activity? Because obviously, you know, you're promoting this book, Moon Chosen. I know you're writing additional stuff. Now yes. you're in 2018, you're already booked to have this, this YA book. How do you keep all that sorted? Are you a, a dedicated uh, 4 a.m. every morning writer? Or are you, uh, oh my gosh, I got a, a month before the deadline, I got to get something out of there? <laughs> I do a combination of that. I like abject fear towards a deadline to get my butt down there to, in my office to write more and more. I, I'm a nighttime writer, too. I write, when you said 4 a.m. writer, I'm like, that's around my bedtime. Between 4 and 6 a.m. is about my bedtime after I've written a bunch of the night. I write almost every day, but it also depends on where I am in a book. The first part of a book is like, ugh. okay, it's like when you get in a roller coaster and you're going like click, click, click up that first hill, that's like the whole first part of a book for me till like 250, 300 pages of the manuscript. It's like slogging through mud. And then I hit this place and I go down. Then, So I go from like working every day and writing at the beginning. I feel good if I can get like five pages. I'm like, yes. And I feel like someone like pulled my brain out of my ears and it's just like, oh, but by the end of a book, I'm writing for 8, 10, 12 hours at a whack and putting out between 20 and 30 pages a day. And it feels just like, you know, when you're reading an awesome book and then you walk around, you feel like you're walking around in the book world and you like think a hobbit's going to like jump out, you know, behind the bush and from behind the bush. And that's exactly how I feel by the end of a book that walking around in the book world, I don't even read towards the end of a book. I don't read for pleasure at all. I'm so immersed in my world. So it kind of makes up the end of it, makes up for the beginning, which is always horrible. It's always horrible at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that is my magnificent, that is the, and usually the end of it comes with the terror too, because you have like a month and then there's your deadline, like you said. So it's like, okay, instead of washing the cat today, I really have to write for like 10 hours. That happens towards the deadline part. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, then a book like uh, Moon Chosen, obviously, it's a great read, great book. Everybody definitely get a copy of it. It is, uh, how do I put it, a very healthy book. It, it's quite large. It's so big. Yes, it it's is. big. So does your editor at this point, with all your, your great success and knowing you as a fantastic author and writer, do they come back to you and say, hey, can we add a little bit more to this? Or do they say, oh, my gosh, can we trim it down a little bit? Or do you set the pace? Do you say this is what it takes to get this message out here, to get this story told? A little bit of both or a little bit of all those mixed together. Moon Chosen is, is kind of a it's, – it's unique. That's a unique write for me. Because at the end of House of Night, I decided I wanted to write high fantasy afterwards. And I always write the book I most want to read. And I didn't have a lot of publisher enthusiasm about this, this fantasy world. You know, it's like how it is in, you know, any other 
career, when you have a big success in one, mm. in one aspect of that career, they want you to do it again in the same, the same way, you know? So it was like, can't you do House of Night again with like werewolves now instead of vampires? And I was like, no, no, trust me. This is, this is going to be great. You're going to love this. And I did not feel the giant enthusiasm that I wanted for it. So I was lucky to be in a position where I literally just said, you know what, even though you want me to write something else, I'm going to take time off and I'm going to write this book that I'm passionate about. So I was basically unemployed for about a year and a half, writing this book, researching it and writing it. And so I turned in a completed manuscript to my editor and they really didn't have anything to say about my word length, which was great for me because I like to write giant books. (laughs) <laughs> so I already turned it in completed and, and I didn't have a contract like with House of Night and, you know, a lot of my other books that say, you know, they want between like 80 and 90,000 words and Moon Chosen's like 170,000 words and I, and the Sun Warrior's about the same length too. And I prefer to do that. And since I was like on my own and unemployed, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to write the book exactly as long as I want. So when I turned it in, they actually had to change my contract. And cross out the like 90 or 100,000 words and just kind of put, and as long as she wants to write, as big as it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, I do. I listen to my editor and I also, I, Monique Patterson is my editor at, at St. Martin's Press and she's amazing, amazing. I love her so much. I totally listen to her about cutting or adding. And I mean, she was happy with the length and I'm happy with uh, Monique likes big books too. So it's been, it's been awesome that. You know, even though I took that time out, that was very, it was frightening. It's like, hey, I don't have a job now. Okay, so I'm going to write this book and hope everyone loves it as much as I do. (laughs) On one sense, it was frightening. On the other, it was like I got to write the exact book I wanted to write without any input from anyone until it was complete. And that was, it was a great experience. It was, it was wonderful. Wow. So just uh, let me ask you, you obviously been in this, um, we'll call it this game, this publishing game. And I know it's changed a lot over the years. That whole story sounds fascinating to me and sounds, it still sort of, sh- I shake my head at the whole industry. Here you are a wildly successful writer and author. You know, you get this huge following that follows your work mm-hmm. and you want to do something a little bit different. And I understand it's a business, you know, they've got it like they've got a good thing, so they want to keep it on track. But doesn't that amaze you still that they're like, mm, no, I, we really don't want to do that. And if you kind of want to do it, you've got to kind of do it yourself and then we'll then we'll take a look at it. Yeah, I was I was shocked. I mean, I have more than 20 million books in print in over 40 countries. And I just kind of assumed that when I said, check out this new series, I want to write. It's going to be so awesome that they'd be like, Yeah. But instead, they were like, it's not like the other one. I was like, I know, right? But it's awesome. Yeah. And they're like, it's not like the other one. And yeah, it, it surprised me too. And you know, it is a business. And had I written House of Night with Werewolf, I promise you that my amazingly loyal, incredible House of Night fans would have been like, yes, House of Night with Werewolf. But I also think they would have been disappointed. Because my heart wouldn't have been in that series. It wouldn't have been in that book. It's not, the, it's not what I wanted to read. And if it's not what my heart's in, then I don't think it's authentic writing. So yeah. I was shocked, but I, 
took the chance. Yeah, and big kudos for you. You know, big congratulations on that because you know I think you're right. You know, you you build a fan base and they're expecting certain things from you. And though they may still love what the new stuff that you're writing, they still have they have their own expectations of what you're going to do. And uh, perhaps if they pick up the book and it's and you're not your heart's not in it, you can definitely then tell the characters aren't in it. You know, you're not putting everything in it, and that's what's coming through on the book. You know, so there is a certain expectation level they have, but you know, you yeah, you're and, right. And, you could be part of it. Yeah, you know, when you when you write, you live in that world with your characters, and you live in the world you create, and it really does feel like when you're reading an awesome book and you're you're in that world. Now, imagine doing that for like a solid year, year and a half, same book, same world. It's something that you get very intimate with. Like I miss Zoe Redbird. And Heath and Stark and Aphrodite and Kelowna. I missed all the characters from House of Night after living with them for a decade. So when I was thinking about who I want to live with for like this, this series, Tales of the New World, I've projected three to five books in it. But it's like, who do I want to live with for the next three to five years or so? And that wasn't it. I can't imagine, you know, doing it inauthentically. Like I've heard authors say things like, well, this is my money book. And then this is my heart book. You know, this is the book that I know people are going to buy. And then, but this is the book of my heart. And that does not work for me because I can't live in that money book unless it's also my heart book. So it's, it's, I just can't imagine living in the world with all those people that you're not into, you know, it would be like reading a mediocre book over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, that is definitely a big part of it. I, you know, I think it's like any job, any job that anybody would have, you know, you take a job, especially like early on in your career, especially uh, you take a job because it's money driven, you know, more so than, paid, yeah. yeah, you get paid you, and the more you make the better off and you can put up with all the uh, nonsense and the bad boss and all that good stuff that goes mm-hmm. along with it. But I think there comes a time in everybody's profession that they look back and say, look, you know, Hopefully there is. They take a step back and say, this is not where my heart is. This is not what where I'm supposed to be. This is not the mark I want to leave on this world. And hopefully they have the courage to be able to step away from that and uh, find out what they are supposed to be doing. Well, and I came to my writing career through my teaching career. I've had three careers I love. I was active duty Air Force right out of high school. And then I put myself through college and was a teacher for 15 years, high school teacher for 15 years, loved it. And at the same time I was teaching, I started, I became published. I'd been writing forever, but so I became published then. And I'm passionate about all three of those careers. And I didn't want that to change when I retired from teaching and just started writing. I was writing full-time anyway, but that's all I was doing is writing now. It is like any other career. It's too bad that people do those romanticized glasses, you know, the rose color romanticized glasses when they look at the job of being an author, because it really is just a job. It's, you know, it's what you're doing every single day. And if you don't love it, then you're miserable and you have a heart attack and you die. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> or you get really fat and unhappy and mean, right? <laughs> or maybe even both, which is the, the double whammy. But, right? uh, <laughs> oh, but it's double awful. That's right. But you're right. As an author, you know, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, you it's uh, you know because I the stuff I write is is nonfiction for the most part, and uh, 
you know, you're putting a, a lot into it. It's just not a matter of you spend a month jotting down some stuff and then, you know, a month after that it gets published. You know, like you said, you're living with these characters for a year or two years. Then you got all the editing and all the stuff that goes along with it. I mean, things you're doing today may not even see the light of day for your fans for, you know, a year and a half or two or sometimes longer, depending on, uh, you know, what the publishing schedule is and how anxious they are to get your material out there. So yeah, if you're not. Yeah, like Sun Warrior, the, what I'm working on, the revision I'm working on right now, the release date that they've let me know is October of next year. And I'm working on the revision right now. Yeah, you have such a huge lead time. But also, you know, I am a, I am a complete rewriter. I rewrite every day that I start writing. It's how I fall back into my world. I usually pull up my manuscript 10 or 20 pages before I left off the night before. And I start reading and then rewriting as I'm writing. So by the time I get done with the manuscript, I've rewritten it uncountable times. My God, every time I open the file, it gets rewritten. And then I go all the way through starting beginning to end and rewrite again. Then, you know, you send it into your editor and then your editor gives it back to you and you have to rewrite the whole damn thing again. (laughs) And then you go through copy edits and again, you rewrite the whole damn thing. So it's like you have you like you said, you live with it. And then when I get done with this, I go to the next book in the same world without hardly any break at all, even though I'm writing other stuff, too. You live in it. You know, these people and these characters. And even for like nonfiction, you're in that atmosphere. And I can't imagine not liking it or not being passionate about it. I think it would eat away at you. And I think it would also not be as the writing wouldn't be as good either. No, I, I agree with that totally. You know, and and even when you, uh, that's not even to mention the publicity. You know, here we are talking about this book, and you're as we mentioned yeah. before, you're working on other stuff. You know, trying to keep it all sorted and keep the momentum going. And if you uh, take your uh, foot off the uh, the pedal, then uh, <laughs> it all goes awry, and yeah. then you get fat and you get well, a heart and attack. It, and you <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, and I didn't have a release for two years. I mean, it took two because it took. It took about a year and a half to write Moon Chosen. And, you know, then, and because I didn't sell it before I wrote it, it wasn't on anyone's schedule. And so it's been two years. So it's been a two year lag. And now, you know, I have to, I have to pedal again really, really hard, pedal hard and let everyone see, oh, look, she's back there and she's going to keep being back. And I also have a surprise for my House of Night fans. Um, 2017 is the, 10th anniversary of the first book and besides all the other stuff I'm doing I'm also working on a surprise house of night book for my fans to come out in 2017 uh oh uh oh there you go Mm -hmm. you you heard it here first or second uh, at least early (laughs) you heard it about first I haven't even shown it to my publisher I'm just writing it and then I'm just going to say oh P.S. new house of night book <laughs> and then see what they say. I want to. I if I could look through the the phone to see what they're uh, what they're thinking when you put that one on them. That would be interesting, right? Yes. <laughs> well, we'll see if they listen to your interview, right? Because if they listen to your interview, I'll probably get a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> they better. It's a good test. Good right? test for it for sure. All right, so so PC Cast, uh, the latest book, Moon Chosen, A Tell of a New World. Everybody go pick up a copy of the book. It's available uh, worldwide, I'm sure, but definitely nationwide, all your favorite uh, bookstores, independent bookstores and online. PC, tell uh, everybody how they can keep track of all the wonderful stuff you've got going on, your activities, your writing. Uh, how's the best way to keep track of you? Oh, uh, you can keep track of me through, I do the Facebook. That's what I call it. My yeah. daughter has trained me well enough 
that I can do the Facebook and find me on my blue check PC cast Facebook page. That is me. And I love interacting with my fans on that. Also through on my website, um, PCF cast author. It's really easy to find. Just Google it. And also Goodreads. I'm very active on Goodreads too. Very good. So everybody, uh, get on there now. Get on the Facebook and <laughs> take a look at Facebook. Uh, PC, that's right. <laughs> and make sure you're uh, following and chatting with PC Cast about all the wonderful activities she has going on and all the other wonderful sites. We'll make sure we have that posted so everybody knows. So PC, hey, it was a delight uh, having you on today. Congratulations on another great success here with Moon Chosen, and uh, we'll look forward to speaking with you again real soon. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. I appreciate you guys. Uh, my pleasure. Well, uh, we're coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank our producers and sponsors for making this show possible. Find out uh, more about what's going on with me or if you have any questions for me, people you want to hear on the show, you can drop me an email. You can drop that to Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. It's Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. And I'll be glad to let you know what's going on, answer your questions, and bring on the people you want to hear from most. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Put it in a blog, an article, a book, and who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Everybody have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.